This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here to continue our talk of the NFL draft and our preview shows. Today, we're doing the inside linebacker position. Still a position need for the Ravens, which is a little tough on us after two years ago spending a first and a third on the position. But here to discuss it with me is Jason Smith. Jason, how are you doing, my friend? Doing really well, Ken. Thanks again for having me on. Excited for the draft. At Huddle It Up Films on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. He's got great stuff, Twitter, YouTube, and we'll get to some of that at the end, but uh, uh, but definitely worth a follow. So you take the time to do that right now, uh, unless you're in your car. Then take it easy. <laughs> do it where you're at work. Uh, we, we go through these with a 10 to 1 countdown of each of our 
dis- players as we've got them uh, ranked for the uh, inside linebacker portion in this case for this show. But we want to talk a little bit about the positional need for the Ravens, their situation there before we talk about that, because a lot of that's relevant to how we would place these players in the draft. And I don't tell people how to rank their players if they want to do it in, in terms of where they think they'll be drafted. That's fine. Or relevance to the Ravens. That's fine. My, minor relevance to the Ravens. So I, how do you do yours, Jason? I, I do it slanted towards the Ravens, definitely. It's a, it's a Raven-centric draft board that I put together. But I will say on defense, particularly this year with Wink leaving, I've kind of evened that out a little bit, Ken, as far as when Wink was here, you could tell players that wouldn't fit or what the needs were, particularly for those roles. Mm-hmm. So this year I'm trying to be a little more open-minded uh, than usual, but I'm still kind of keeping my Ravens hat on with this. So, you know, possibility of returning to a 4-3 would be one thing that would come up. And obviously shortage at the inside linebacker position in terms of actual talent would be one of the things that would make it very difficult for the Ravens to return to a 4-3. But, you know, aside from that, we mentioned that, that Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison taking as a first and a third round pick just in 2020. It's 2022. I do not see a particularly high chance that the Ravens will pick up the fifth-year option on Patrick Queen. Obviously, he's playing for it this year. It'll have to be determined at the end of this year, but I don't think there's a particularly high chance. Me neither, Ken. And I think, uh, didn't talk about this before, but DaCosta has pretty much signaled that the guys he wants to pay are premium positions. So aside from uh, Patrick Queen's uh, development, the slow curve, being moved off the mic, not getting the green dot, all the issues that we've brought up on previous shows. It's it's also a matter of where to spend the money with Lamar's contract looming in the background as well. So it's a position that, you know, I, I figure at most we'll sign a linebacker to a Gus Edwards type contract, maybe a bridge. Other than that, mm-hmm. I don't see us spending money at that position. Yeah, they they certainly, you know, signing Josh Bynes again, the, uh, the signing of LG Fork when that occurred, uh, definitely bargain players who, who give you something on special teams as well. Bynes, you know, twice has come in and played at a very high level for this defense when needed in 2019 and 21, uh, improved two positions when he came back in 21. You notice a difference immediately when he comes in about, uh, you know, occasionally a ball getting tipped when it crosses through level two. And that just wasn't happening at all with the Ravens linebackers with, with uh, uh, Queen and Harrison and board and others in, in, uh, you know, being guys who would line up in level two, there there really was no awareness and no anticipation of the passing lanes, not enough reading of the quarterback to, to really knock down passes. And then Bynes shows up. who's not a particularly athletic linebacker goes to the mic spot. He isn't even out there for many of the third downs, but, but he still has a lot of chances to, to tip balls. He, you know, he had two interceptions, which were complete anticipation interceptions when he first got here in 19. And, uh, you know, one against the Steelers on that left sideline. The other one was over the middle against the Texans on a late throw. Uh, just very nice uh, plays in both cases. And you realize, you know, what you don't have, you know, in, in the time. It's very true. And there are a couple of guys uh, towards the top of my linebacker list here who I believe can can provide that. They may not be the best athletes, may not have the best 40, but their overall instincts for the game. And, and you're right about Josh Bynes. Even putting together his highlights, Ken, it surprised me how many different ways he was able to affect the passing game. Came to the line of scrimmage on time and swatted the ball away there. Dropping back into coverage, almost made a couple of amazing interceptions. And uh, did a lot of work in the, in the passing game, which is uh, 
important to have him back, I believe, because it allows the Ravens to draft whatever kind of linebacker they choose to this year and kind of gives them the flexibility now. It would still be nice, really nice, to have a, uh, a three-down linebacker. But again, how McDonald plays that is totally up in the air to me. Right. I, I would agree. Malik Harrison, a guy that, you know, originally really was was a Mike coming out of school. It would have made more sense for him to maybe be the Mike when you look at skill set of him and Queen and then how Queen really it didn't work out at the Mike for him. And he had to be moved to Will. It seemed like even more so. And then he had that silly incident in Cleveland, a silly, OK, dangerous incident in Cleveland where he got shot in the leg and thankfully nothing serious out of it or not as serious as it could have been at least didn't end his career, but it certainly put him in Harbaugh's doghouse or it seemed to for the rest of the season. He only played one more snap defensively. It's true. And week two against the chiefs really sticks out for Malik where uh, I think uh, what he was asked to do in that game. And then Ken, I think it affected him mentally a little bit because we saw better play, I think from him versus the run in his rookie year than we did last year. I mean, I was I was pretty high on Malik, and not not so much in the passing game, but as a a two down thumper. And we saw him make some plays and tackle Derrick Henry while he was tackling the the blocker for Derrick Henry and blowing up Quentin Nelson and tackling uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he had he had some really nice plays in there, or whoever the Colts back with was. It might not have been Taylor at that time, mm-hmm. but I, I like I like Harrison. Is he an outside linebacker at this point? I don't know. So yeah, he hasn't played there either. <laughs> so, so yeah, so another another question for the room. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it pretty much like we have uh, Queen and Bynes there at that position, and uh, Christian Welch backing those guys up. That's that's about what I can count on at this point. So I, I do expect that the Ravens will draft a linebacker, probably just to protect themselves against missing out on the UDFA that they had their eye on. Maybe mm-hmm. they draft one with their final pick because it's it's a deep class, unlike. Uh, all positions. I think that there are some serviceable linebackers towards the end of the draft. And at the top of the draft, I think you could improve this position uh, immediately. Yeah, we're, we're going to go through this. And, and the, the position I compare it to is tight end in terms of the, uh, you know, there's a thick swath of players in the middle of this draft that I think are are fairly much close enough that you don't you, you don't worry about too much about which one you get. And you get very patient in terms of, of getting one of them. Uh, but let's go back to the, the Ravens general need, though, uh, a platoon system. They have largely run uh, the last couple of years, not complete, but they have had, uh, you know, a number of plays where they've taken all their inside linebackers off the field, played in quarter or played in dime, either one to do that. And I really see this Ravens team as, you know, given their depth at safety, as a team that is well positioned to do that again, you know, they got a couple of back end guys. They've got Gina Stone, Marcus Williams, who I think would play the back end. I think you bring Clark up into the box to play dime where he excelled in 2019. Jefferson looked great down the stretch last year. So he'd be another guy that you would uh, get in there on some pass. He very, may very well have a fair number of plays with four safeties. I think we'll see a fair amount of big nickel out of this team as well, where they're faced with 12 and they want to get it a, a larger player on the field against that slot receiver, or, which is usually a tight end at 12. I'm really hoping to see that, Ken. I, I think we will. And the other point, it's not just a, a deep safety room. You, you kind of alluded to it. It's a it's a versatile uh, safety room. So you have two guys that can take the back end in, in Stone and Marcus Williams. You have Brandon Stevens, who played a, a bunch of different spots last year. Maybe, you know, good chance we're relying on, on him more at cornerback. And then, of course, you mentioned Jefferson and Clark. 
Uh, and you can find strong safeties too. I imagine that we'll, we'll draft one. And uh, so, yes, I would love to see more quarters coverage. I would like to see more of the, uh, like you mentioned, the five pass rushers and the uh, six defensive backs as well. So some dimes, some quarters. We have the safety room to do it for sure. So Ken, when uh, when I look at the uh, when I look at the Ravens situation, I think that we're overall in pretty good shape. We just need a linebacker or maybe two to fill out the room, and hopefully, we're not carrying uh, what was it five out five inside linebackers. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yes, yeah, so would... you only need so many special teams uh, players there, Ken, and coverage players. You, you want to use you want to use safeties in that position. Right. The problem was at other positions as well, because, you know, Jason, they, they, they were carrying five safeties, but they had at times where Richards and Levine were both active and they didn't want either one of them on the field defensively. Well, now it looks like they have five safeties they might have available and they might want all five of them. If you count Brown and Stevens in that group, any, any of the five on them on the field to play defense uh, at the same time, even so, or it might have four of them at the same time of, of the five. And uh, I, I, I like that a lot better. And, and at, at uh, you know, at, at linebacker, they had uh, Thomas and Welch on the team and they actually got some series to play defense where Harrison didn't down the stretch, even though he was playing special teams at the same on the, in the same games. So, there's obviously something going on with that. I do think Harrison will regain his status. There's no reason why you keep him on the team all year unless you actually believe in his future. So they've got him for two more years potentially. I think they'll keep him for the third year. I don't think he's a risk to get caught. I think he is in, in, in year four if, if nothing goes you know well this year. But but he's got a chance. He should have a chance to get some playing time, I think, this year. Me too. And I, th- I thought Welch did admirably. Uh, yeah. You know, He filled in for Bynes or maybe they were resting Bynes or seeing what they had in Welch. And uh, I didn't notice any major errors. It wasn't like he played a lot, but uh, it was good experience for Welch nonetheless. And I think he's a solid football player. But, of course, the key to all this, Ken, it it keeps coming back to how to play the passing downs in a passing league. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get right to our 10 to 1 uh, countdown here. I know we've got uh, uh, time constraints here on this one. So you go ahead with your number 10 guy. Sure. My number 10 guy is Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. Uh, just read my notes off. Old school thumper, true Mike, very savvy in the run game. Will shed blocks, blow up blocks to, to clog lanes. So he's very physical. I thought he was slow footed, Ken, when I saw him on tape, but he did play multiple special teams unit, was used at the edge some and uh, matched up on tight end. So, you know, I was kind of surprised that uh, his three cone stuck stuck out to me, Ken, under seven seconds, 6.91. And That's I, exceptional. Right. And I didn't see that from him on tape. So that that was one where, I, you know, I, I kind of don't believe the three cone time or maybe he just had a good day because I didn't necessarily see that. But the fact that he plays special teams, maybe I just wasn't watching the right games again. OK, well, I, I, I tell you what, with Beavers, I was considering him an outside linebacker. He didn't make my list. He wasn't really even close in a very, very deep edge class. Um, now just looking at it in terms of could the guy move to inside and either play weak, which doesn't really seem to be exactly where he would be or, uh, or play, um, you know, at 470, I guess he'd be a two down thumper on the mic. Like you say, uh, didn't make my list, didn't make my honorable mention either, but I respect the pick. Always respect what you bring to the table, particularly in terms of differences. Nice to see that. And by the way, Uh, Ken, I had him at 255. Uh, I've got him at 243 here. Okay. 
as and far that's as from his weight. combine number, yes. Okay. Uh, that, that's, I mean, that's very solid weight for an inside linebacker. But I think uh, outside linebacker's position that's listed on NFL Draft Scout. And so I, th- I have found that, by the way, to be the most consistent um, group of, of uh, measurables. Okay. So it's usually the one I quote, um, but a 693 or 691 three cone, 691 at the combine, 693 in his pro day. That is really nice to see. And I could honestly, at those kind of numbers, that's really good for an edge. You would you, you want guys who are under seven seconds. So uh, that's terrific. He definitely has the size and strength to be one of those players, versatile mm-hmm. player. But I like the fact that he played multiple special teams unit. And, you know, when considering the Raven centric board, you know, if you want to reset the clock on on someone, he he could do that for you and play some special teams. So yeah, he snuck into my list at number ten there, Ken. Okay, well, my number ten guy, might, you probably don't have him or might not, is Terrell Bernard of Baylor, six one two eighteen, a smallish guy, real short arms at thirty and a quarter, and a four fifty nine forty. So there's decent speed there, but there's very significant size issues at inside linebacker, really built to to be a smallish will. But he did have a really nice season this last year, 103 tackles, uh, seven and a half sacks among 12 and a half for loss. Uh, there is one service that reports 15 missed tackles. That's not quite as bad as it sounds. It might be about a uh, 10, 11% uh, missed tackle, right? It might be 12. Um, but the combination of length and size, I think, is going to be a challenge for him at the next level. Uh, that's why I didn't have him higher. I otherwise liked him in terms of, of what he brought as a pass rusher. Uh, coming off a 2021 knee injury, but he did perform at the combine. So as far as I'm concerned, that kind of goes away. I did not ever hear the details on the knee injury, so, but it obviously wasn't any kind of season-ending thing that uh, uh, that was there because he played you know, a whole season and got seven and a half sacks. Um this will come up often is what do the Ravens really need? The Ravens to me don't really need a will player. I think they've got will players right now. I mean, Harrison has really been trained there as a pro player. Uh, Queen has played there now, uh, you know, for half a season. I think that's the position he can be effective at. I think they need a, they need a mic. They need either a two down thumper as a mic, which I'd be happy with in terms of platooning. It's less draft capital. Uh, a, a guy like Terrell Bernard does not really fit that need for the Ravens. He, he goes lower, but he does give you things on special teams. He'd be a core player right away and give you some value there. You can't let the um, cart drag the horse, the tail wag the dog, whatever you want to say, in terms of having somebody who's pretty good at special teams, a decent tackler on his college team, be the guy that you get at your inside linebacker position. It needs to work the other way around. <laughs> right. But, uh, and but it, anyway, he's and, my number 10 guy. And again, if we, we're at the position at the towards the end of the draft where multiple guys here that are going to pop up on our list and honorable mention are, are available, maybe the Ravens don't draft one at all. I think that that's a possibility for both inside linebacker, running back, maybe even add a run-stuffing defensive tackle, uh, the guard to fill out your roster. These are all positions that are overflowing in this draft where you've, you actually see the benefit uh, of what everybody well, had to go through last year at the college level with COVID. So, yeah, I, I like Bernard. He seemed to be around the ball a lot. I thought that he got swallowed up in run defense. is something that didn't endear myself to me. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about the Will linebacker uh, position, Ken. When I first started watching this group, they all seemed like will linebackers. It, mm-hmm. it just, it's just going, it's just going that way. I, I, I believe Ken. There's a ton of speed in this group. I mean, it's just a ton of speed. And you know, even you start off with players like Bernard, and he's up at the top of my list alphabetically. So he's one of the first guys that I really took time to look at. And 
uh, his speed is actually not that exceptional for this linebacker group. This linebacker group has a lot of four or five guys. And so you, you, you know, you have to really end up thinking about it in terms of, uh, of who meets the need and, and, uh, you know, who's a real thumper as well. So let's go to your number nine guy. Sure. It's Brian Asamoa. And this guy's another, uh, undersized backer, six one two twenty eight. Uh, ran a four five six. I think he plays faster than that, Ken. Uh, but four five six isn't a terrible, you know, bad time for an inside backer. But uh, not going to play like a Patrick Queen, Devin Bush type speed. But he's fast enough. Sees ball, gets ball with urgency. You see a lot of splash plays for him. Tackles for losses, that kind of thing. Uh, he does. My main knock on him was uh, he lacks patience, Ken. Like for an undersized guy, he takes on blocks pretty well. And he'll he'll beat the blocks with with speed, I think, in, in anticipation. But um, yeah, a lot of false steps, lack of patience. He just kind of wants to get get going, and I think that uh, that's going to be something, especially as a rookie, that it's going to be hard to coach out of him because he's going to want his chance to make plays. So, so yes, he's a little bit of a go and then think it out instead of a see it and then go. I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, if he's. He wants to take read steps and make his read, whereas there are other patient linebackers in this draft, at least a couple of them. Uh, Asamoah is, is a uh, really good his, – his speed, I would agree with you. It's, it looks better than 456 on tape. He goes sideline to sideline effectively. Uh, he had a, a missed tackle problem before 2021 that was greatly improved. Uh, that's something the Ravens are going to look at closely given the recent deficiencies at the position and on the defense in, in general. I, oh, by the way, we're not going to spend all show – bashing Patrick Queen. I, I don't, I doubt, I doubt if we can get through the rest of the show without his name showing up again, but I don't, I just don't want this to be a, you know, a, a, a bashing Queen fest. Uh, but, but they're, you know, obviously the Ravens are having to look at, at how do they replace what they hope they would get from him. Uh, and, and this draft is, is the first time they really had a legitimate chance to do it. Uh, Asamoah, uh, troubleshooting blocks at Oklahoma. That's only going to get worse in the NFL. We've seen that obviously happen uh, to some players and, and it's, it, it it could be a difficult transition anyway in the first year for any player and being a smaller guy, it's more difficult. Uh, everything will, will, will come down to how does he end up being in terms of coverage so far? He's made no coverage imprint on the game, or at least he did not in his senior year, sorry, his junior year. He's played only three years, uh, uh, but uh, he had four passes defense the year before, including an interception. So, you know, it's it's not like there's no history of it, but in 12 games, didn't have a single pass defense this last year. Uh, to me, he's a late third or fourth round option for the Ravens. Uh, could be a three down inside linebacker, but he really doesn't address um, the need to get a three down Mike or even a two down thumper at Mike. He's really much more of a will player. Um, I have him as a guy that I think the Ravens ought to take with one of their last two picks in the fourth round. That's where I would, I would wait for Asamoah to drop. He may not, but that that's where I'd wait for him to drop. And Ken, I had a couple of more notes on him. I, I think he's a little bit of a high tackler, which could be an issue. I see him pouncing on people instead of lowering the shoulder and driving. And then I just wanted to reiterate the point where you were talking about he can't get off of blocks very well, whereas mm-hmm. I've seen that consistently. But to my point, he often beats the blocks with speed. So I don't know how many of those go in his favor, how many of those go against him. But obviously, you don't want a middle linebacker that uh, stays blocked. Can't get off blocks. Yes, yeah. yes. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, yeah. We're not going to mention names here again, but it's yes. it's it's been a problem, and uh, and we need to have a, a linebacker who has some way to get off blocks. And you know, I think the speed that's been at the position before obviously has not been enough. So you know, uh, particularly if you end up watching some highlights of a player, you'll notice a lot of speed killing the offensive with with you know be, beating blocks getting right. in gaps doing all kinds of things uh, i like some of the slower linebackers in this draft some of the guys who will we'll, we'll get to be talking about it a little bit who, who play a little bit more patiently and they still know how to how to work off their opponents which uh, sorry off their teammates and their opponents which i really love to see in a linebacker and so I, and i loved asamoah's oklahoma state game that was the one if you want to watch him and watch him play well oklahoma state i thought was a, a very good game for him all right, fantastic. Was there a complete video of that game out there? If you can watch every play, or, or or it was a it was a cut up of the defense specifically. So you just kind of kind of okay. have to find him, and he's on the that's field terrific. all the time. Yes, yeah, that's that's all you need. All right, your number eight guy, my by, by Asamoah, also my number nine guy. Okay, good. I, you know what, Ken? I've really figured we'd uh, have some different guys. It would be amazing if we had the same. My number eight guy is uh, Troy Anderson, tremendous athlete. Uh, and he was first team all conference at quarterback and then moved to linebacker and was first team all conference at linebacker. And the numbers, just the flat out raw numbers that everybody can relate to are outstanding, freakish. 6'4, 235, but he ran a 442, which a lot of wide receivers wish they ran a 442. So you're, you're looking at a mix of, okay, this guy's such an athlete, he plays hard. He's a gamer. He's got a good head on his shoulders, you would think, because of his quarterback, some study habits, that kind of thing. So the intangibles, the context clues kind of lead you to believe that you can find a role for him on this team. And his upside is big. That's that's what I like. I mean, there's just a lot of unknown, which is both what makes you laugh and makes you cry about Anderson. You don't know, but the upside is very, very high, I believe, for him. Ken, you're on mute, buddy. Thank you. You know, that hadn't happened on any of the draft shows for far. And it's a, it's a regular hallmark of film study episodes. I, I, I think uh, I think you owed me one because I think <laughs> I was on mute one time. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Thank you for for, for falling on that sword. But uh, but anyway, uh, another another good one. I did not have him on my list. I'm aware of his athleticism. Uh, the small school uh, situation at Montana State. Uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't find information on him. He's not in the records for uh, college football reference. Uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of the, the the other resources that draw off that I didn't find either. So I had a hard time. I did not find his his combine numbers on Draft Scout or any kind of pro day numbers. But I'd I'd love to uh, see what source you have. So uh, sure, I, I'll take um, that frame. Can I can I, if you can just give me one moment and I'll see with uh, what Mister Lance Zerline had for his numbers here because uh, he uh, updates those for the combine four four two thirty six vert and one twenty eight. Broad jump, so a ten over ten foot, ten foot eight inch eight, broad jump, yeah. uh, thirty two and one eighth inch arms, and I uh, gave okay. you. It's okay, yeah. Um, so six four two thirty five runs a four four two, and the explosion does kind of show in his vert and, and jumping. So that's, uh, but yeah, an athlete like that can, you know, if I'm taking a stab at a linebacker and I get myself an undrafted one, he's the kind of guy I would add to the room or want to put there for his upside, and that's that's as simple as it gets for me. I, I did have another guy who's who's definitely a tools guy, but you take him ahead of Asamoah, so you take him at one ten or one nineteen, probably. 
well, I would take Asamoah at 110 or 119. I, I should be happy if your guy gets taken at 110 or 119. Troy Henderson does. Uh, hey, we'll just hope one of our guys gets taken. That's the way it goes on draft night. How about it? Okay, my, so my next guy on, at number eight is Tanny, uh, Channing Tindall. Uh, and let me go down to my notes on him. Uh, 6'2", 228, 44740, 32 and 7 eighths arms. This Jumped out of the building, forty-two inch vertical for Channing. I mean, that's that's a, a great basketball vertical. It is about the best vertical anybody's ever had at the position. There, Justin Bethel, I think, might have jumped forty-five inches. Might be the all-time record now. Uh, there are probably some receivers who've been up close to that, but that's outrageous at, at linebacker. Tests absurdly well across the board, so he's, he's a lot of tools guy, but definitely not the kind of productivity you might expect as a tackler that comes out of that, uh, you know, and playing at Georgia, you expect him to still you know, get some opportunities, but he, but he played in 15 games, got 67 tackles, five and a half sacks among seven and a half tackles for loss. I assume he didn't play every down. I don't have snap no. counts on him. But, no, Ken, he was, yeah. he was the third man in. I mean, we're, we're going to yep. talk about the two guys ahead yep. of him. So it took me quite a while, but luckily with Georgia, I got to see him pop up a lot when I wasn't, paying attention to him where I was paying attention to the other guys on the defense. So uh, his burst really surprised me the first couple of times. I think that that's uh, reflected in that uh, 42 inch vert that you man- uh, mentioned just explosive when he, when he gets a full head of steam, but I don't see that laterally Ken. I think he's a bit clunky. Uh, and I think that that would l- limit him in coverage and his eyes wasn't real, you know, and that's a, that's a big thing for me too. His eyes are so, so, I don't. I wouldn't think they're they're poor. His play recognition isn't poor, but it's not great. Uh, but the total package for him, I actually have him at number six on my list. So I, I, bumped, I bumped him ahead of uh, another guy that you're going to have coming up here, uh, just because whenever I've seen him, he, he's making splash plays and he's very physical. That's the other thing I wanted to say. Out of uh, out of the three, out of the three, he's definitely more uh, physical than Nicobe Dean, who's that's not his game. And mm-hmm. Quay Walker is more of a technical type of player that we'll talk about later. Very technically clean. So uh, Tyndall is kind of like your, uh, your a, a true thumper. I, I would say he's the second hardest hitter out of this class. Second more, most physical when taking on blocks. Uh, when you do see him, it takes a long time to study him. But um, I got a good feel for him just because I said I got to watch so much Georgia tape, Ken. So. All right. Well, I had more to say about him here is that is that uh, his tools certainly project uh, given his quickness. And obviously, he's got recognition things to gain. Uh, but, you know, good length, good burst off the uh, line of scrimmage apparent from those jumps. Uh, you'd hope that that he'd be a guy who could take care of some coverage things, maybe cover tight ends at his size. Uh, maybe he does a decent job for you in zone. Maybe it watches over play action for you to some degree. Once he learns that part of the game, better identifying the routes at the line of scrimmage. So he knows what's going on behind him. Uh, but so far that really hasn't happened. He's played 38 college games. He doesn't have a single pass defense or interception. That's not a good mark. It's not a good starting point. And, uh, you know, to be a two down thumper only and to have this kind of situation, even if it was platoon based was part of the reason I still can't get real excited about it. So I had to, I had to hold him down a little bit, even though I love his tools. And um, he's a guy I think I think I would go as high as number 100 on him. Uh, and that's a third-round pick there. 
when we're talking about it. So that is a big, big pick that the for the Ravens to take. But I think there is a reasonable chance they take an inside linebacker in the third round, and he's one of five guys that I think fit for a third round pick. In in in, in terms of, there's a pretty good chance they'll get there, and and they might take him. But 100 is as high as I'd I'd go on Tyndall. I'm I'm, I'm there with you. I think you know, and then of course we don't pick that far after 100 when you look at right. we're picked like third or fourth in the fourth round there's a couple of comp picks after us so on and so forth so you get in a position where there are two of these guys right here in this part of our rankings ken where you know fourth round i was going to say fourth round seems right for these guys but uh but yes if if there's one that you think fits and you have good information on and the coaches tell you stuff like on tindall we really couldn't see a lot on the field and coverage he wasn't really asked to do it so uh, yes, but I, I like his athletic profile and, you know, he would be one of those guys like Anderson and the other guys we're talking about, uh, that could be in the mix, I, I believe for us to make a pick there. All right. Who's your guy? At number seven. Number seven is Chad Muma. And this is a guy that I had just a little bit higher before his testing. I had to bump him down just a little bit because I did have questions about his overall speed efficiency uh, the angles that he took. He came out, ran a four six three, according to my numbers. Ken, is that mm-hmm. what you have? Four sixty three. Yep. Yes. Um, what I don't like is he can take puzzling angles. Like puzzling is the word that I specifically wrote down, which is a strong word uh, for for me for for count for when I'm scouting. Excuse me. Over aggressive angles. He was lined up on the hash a lot. Another run and chase. Will linebacker. So not sure. I mean, it looked like he was guessing in coverage, but he came up with three interceptions. So there's a lot of things in his game. You know, he can move as this straight line speed, but a lot of things just don't add up with Chad Muma, and I'm not quite sure what to make make of him. So I I, I had him here at the uh, at the seven spot. Okay, so you got him at the seven spot. We is, is 100 the pick you're willing to use on him, or do you want to use you want to uh, wait? You're not you're not investing 76 on Muma, and then am I am I taking that? Exactly. So I, I would like Ken to get him into fourth, but if it came down to where it's a plant where you have a, you know, one linebacker left, we, we, we like, and maybe there's four tight ends we like, then of course you want to take what's uh what you can, when you can. Right. I, I got, I, I have no issues generally speaking with patience on this linebacker group, as we've talked about in our patience on the tight ends, but Muma is a guy I really loved. Really? And okay. I, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I had a lot of real positive things to say about him. So the, his measurables are for me are all good to great. And a four sixty three forty is still good for an inside linebacker. It's, it's certainly not bad. There are some faster guys in this class, but there's also some slower guys in this class, including guys on the list lower down. Um, it, He's, he'll be moving up from the Mountain West. That's, of course, what Logan Wilson did exactly. Also came from Wyoming and is now a, you know, a pretty terrific asset for the Cincinnati Bengals, one that's been a thorn in the Ravens' side already. There's a lot that's similar about the two in terms of their um, ability to make plays in the passing game. They just seem to have an instinctiveness about them in terms of being in the right place at the right time for a pass to fall into their hands or to take, get, grab a deflection. Uh, you know, they have good ball skills for that. Um, Muma, to me, the only physical thing I really see that I, that I wasn't crazy about, I'll talk about his tackling in a minute too, but as a block shedler, shedder, he needs to improve a little bit. He's, he's a good tackler, uh, but I still think he projects as a, th- as a three down Mike. Let me tell you a little bit about the, about the tackling thing. I had 142 tackles. 
That's 11 per game in a 13-game season. One and a half sacks, eight tackles for loss, three interceptions, two two of those returned for TDs, and a fumble recovery. So definitely a very broad contribution of ball skills uh, that he's giving you on defense. There's another linebacker further up that we're going to get to that just explodes through the ball carrier. Muma has a tackling style that is different from others that I see in this class. And he's more like tackles, like a safety or a corner. And that he's always trying to twist the guy down. So his initial reaction, you got that too. So he wraps up generally allows himself to slip down to the legs of the player and then immediately starts to roll and twist to get the guy to the ground. It's almost like you're allowing the guy to bring himself down, which, you know, when you're the size movement is, you could, you could be going through the belt buckle of these players and knocking them back two yards. Uh, you know, you're, you're bigger, you're stronger, you, you, you're a great rapper. There's no reason why he couldn't have done that. I think he could improve his tackling style, get better tackling leverage, learn better technique at the NFL level. So I, I, liked, I thought there was an opportunity for growth there, but it certainly allows a fair amount of yards after contact with that kind of tackling stuff. You know, I, I, again, I have one, first of all, I want to say, Ken, I'm, I'm glad you have some strong tapes on it or takes on Muma because I can't get it together on him. He's a guy I've been moving up and down the board. Just can't get a feel for him because like I said, with those three interceptions, they're amazing. And then there are other times in coverage where he's taking himself out of the play. Like we've seen with previous linebackers, where if he just stayed put, He'd been in a, in a in a better speed. The tackling, uh, he's much more physical when taking on the block. So he'll lower his shoulder, and you know he's not afraid to get physical. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand where this alligator style twist and turn tackling him to the ground comes from. So I, I get mixed signals from Muma. Not sold on him, but again, when you're looking at that, like you said, Ken, last third round pick into the fourth round, he's definitely one of the guys on the radar. He's right in there with the other guys. Yeah, I, I I I really like him there. I was watching the Kent State game, and you know it's it's not that it's not that great, but Kent State is as you know they they're a little bit of a team for for Wyoming to play, and he had several unassisted of these twister tacklers that that I'm calling, and I just finding myself screaming at the at the video saying that's Kent State stick someone you know just right. <laughs> get in the body. These guys aren't the biggest football players, you know they're they're technically sound. You know they've been a decent program, obviously, but but. Get in there and stick someone. Um, I watched yeah, it, three full games, Fresno, Boise, and Kent State. Yeah. It just was the same thing. It was a mixed bag. I Maybe with better coaching, Ken, this can be a three-down linebacker. So I do see the upside there. But, you know, when I, a, a guy like Tyndall, I think I'd know what I'm getting more. So flavors. You take, but you take Tyndall over Muma. Just just barely, just barely. I mean, I have them six and seven on my board, so I could flip-flop them all day. It's it's that close, you know what I mean? But, uh, but yes, I, I kind of like Tyndall's upside to I, – I like what he can do. I can count on Tyndall blowing up a gap and, and being a two-down thumper, whereas Muma, I could see him as a three-down backer or someone that can't find his way on the field because Patrick Queen's already taken the will spot. So tough, tough, uh, tough uh, call there. If, if Muma ends up at will – he's done in the NFL. I mean, he needs to be a Mike or nothing. Uh, he's just, he's the wrong size to play. Will he's, he's probably the wrong speed to play. Will you want to, you probably want a faster guy in the NFL at that, you know, low four fives. Maybe if you could, if you had your druthers, certainly if you have Patrick queen, he's staying there. I, I think he's clearly the Mike. Maybe he's and, Chris board. <laughs> uh, because he's got the, the, what he's done. I, maybe, maybe, I, I mean, maybe even his, his, Instincts and what's happened is more like um, uh, binds 
in terms okay. of his or, or even Fort in terms of his ability to make an occasional play on the football. But uh, I, I, had, I had a little more to say about him here is that I agree with you. There's the opportunity for the, some positional coaching to make it better. It, it you know, has not always worked. Hopefully the Ravens have, frankly, a better coach in place this next year. And McDonald is more of an overseer to this, given the fact that he comes from a linebacking background. Uh, but that was true of, of Martindale as well, that he, he had coached linebackers for a period. And, and you know, I, I just I couldn't reconcile what happened to the relationship between Patrick Queen and Rob Ryan as I watched that on the field in camp. Yeah, you I mentioned just, that. Could, you mentioned that, right? Yeah. So, so uh, here's where I am on him. I, I I would go as high as 76 on Muma. Okay. And then I had really asked myself, would I go to 45 on him? Because I don't think anybody else wants him at 45, but I do think there's people who are going to want him at 60, 62, 64, and there's kind of a positional premium for a Mike. He's done enough in terms of um, showing good tape on passing plays and really just showing impact on passing plays more than the Ravens have had. So, you know, having a guy who, who you know, appears to have some things that would work in terms of, of learning how to play the pass would be useful, maybe in terms of learning how to read passing lanes, which is all what Ray Lewis was doing by the end of his career, was just trying to read the quarterback and, and be an effective obstacle in the middle of those passing lanes um but i i, I wouldn't take him at 45 but i but i take him at 76 and and that's as uh you know I, I think that's the the most over where other people have him than, than just about anybody there are people who would t- say take him at 60 take him at 50 even but i take it for the ravens at 76 i think it is a position you wait at but he's an exciting player to me and uh you know i'm he's, i'm i was gonna say he's very fun to watch there's something about his style that's very fun to watch. And fun fact, I have Tyndall and Muma at 75 and 76 on my boards. So right next to each other overall to where I I just looked it up. So when I when I meet when I say take either one, whatever flavor you like, I truly mean it. If both are on the board, I kind of have them ranked in that same spot. And again, I, to me this is the last pick of the third round, early fourth round range. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't take him in the second. Well, seventy. They can. Let me just make sure of this now. Seventy six is their first third round pick, and one hundred is their second. Yes, third round pick. So if you've got them at seventy five and seventy six, I mean the the nature of your big board is going to be, and particularly if it's laid out in a Raven centric manner, there's going to be you know what ten players still available, maybe fifteen that are higher rated than seventy six. By at the time least, at least, yeah. yes, because quarterbacks aren't on my board or anything like that. So. So 76 right. is more like 80, 85, 82, 83 when you count the quarterbacks that might be taken in there. So, right. so, so yes. Not this, inconceivable they could get him in the fourth round. That would be great value. It would be unbelievable value if they got him with the first pick of the fourth round. I hope we get him because I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear a strong take on Muma. I haven't heard much of anybody else, and I'm that's one of those guys I'm throwing my hands in the air and kind of relying on others for that. But uh, good player, I think. I don't, don't get me wrong. I just don't know exactly what to make of how he'll play, how he'll be used in the NFL. So, Okay, Movement was my sixth guy, but we came up on your, as your seven guy, right? So I, I, I reacted with my six. So we're back to my seven, right? I believe so, yes. Okay, so my seven is Brandon Smith, uh, you know, pure tools guy. He really has not done that much in college, but he's unbelievable tools. 6'5", 244, 452, 40, 34 and 5'8 arms. Now, 6'94", 3-cone. And by the way, he is a player that's a little bit of a tweener between an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker. And, you know, I, I didn't include Troy Anderson, but, but I would 
think that one of the positives about drafting Brandon Smith is you might have a guy who could fill in an outside linebacker if that's what you needed. Uh, incredible physical specimen, obviously coming from Penn State right after the year after Owe is uh, is uh, interesting. Uh, he has not played to his measurables in college, not by a long shot. Uh, his play speed definitely does not match his tools. So maybe playing with a linebacker like Bynes would really help him. 15.3% missed tackle rate in 2021 per PFF. So he really needs to uh, the Ravens, not him, really need to diagnose what's the problem with that high miss tackle rate and see if they think it can be corrected with good coaching. But that's part of if you draft Brandon Smith and you're committing to this, you have to figure out if his missed tackle problem can, can be fixed by your coaching. I love it. And he's actually number 12. So he he would be on my one of my two honorable mentions uh, that I was going to say at the end of the show. Great athlete. I believe he was highly recruited out of uh, high school like four or five star guy, uh, whatever it was, should have been <laughs> great athlete, but, uh, slow to recognize trouble shedding, easy to find what was on my notes for him. So yes, all the athletic potential is there. If you coach him and he can somehow find a comfort level that didn't seem like he had a Penn state. I like him, but, uh, like I said, barely missed my board there. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things about him, there are, there are very few, um, guys in the entire NFL who can press the biggest wide receivers or any tight ends. Okay, there's very few guys that you can put in that position. I think Brandon Smith could be that guy. He's played a little bit of that in in school where he's where he's been you know covering the slot guy. But 34 and 5 8 inch arms is longer than anybody. I mean, you know, only you know the most obscene offensive tackles that I'd be going crazy for would have longer arms than that. Uh, so, you know, you have a guy who can stand right over a tight end, give Travis Kelsey, give, you know, some of the other big guys in, in the uh, AFC, uh, you know, a, a good jolt, you know, at his weight to make sure that their, their route is disrupted. I think that's, a, that's an exciting tool to have in the shed. And it's one of the reasons why I really uh, like the idea of having him. Not an obvious choice at Mike. Uh, he'd be more like Terrell Edmonds or Rolando McLean, if people remember him from a few years ago. I think everything you remember about Rolando McLean is oh, yeah. probably bad. But uh, but he's actually a decent football player and, and a huge 6'4 and 255 or so. Uh, could still play inside linebacker. Terrell Edmonds is, is, a, is a big guy also in terms of, of, of height, a little bit more of a storky character. But, um, you know, it, he'd be a great answer for 12 personnel at the NFL level. And I like him as a round four guy. Again, somebody you get at number 100. Uh, something tells me he might be gone by then, that somebody else is going to love his tools so much maybe project him to a outside linebacker with that 694 three cone. Um, and, and, you know, it's, he's, he's a kind of a mystery because he's done so little with all his gifts in college. You have to really have some moxie in terms of some trust in your own coaching to turn around a guy like this. Yes. And uh, I believe the you're talking about the Buffalo linebacker. Yeah. Terrell Edmonds, right? I think it's Tremaine. I think Terrell's Tremaine. Sorry, the Steeler. Sorry. Yes. I, yeah. So I just want to clarify right. out there. <laughs> yes. So the brother's there, but. Hey, I like the assessment a lot there to work with. I just, you know, I want, I kind of wanted to see it on the field. The, the arm length, though, I gen, generally speaking, I kind of only note the the metrics that really stand out, and that one is ridiculous. Thirty four mm-hmm. and five eighth inch arms is what I have for him. Yep. Uh, just ridiculous, and you you would figure that that would help him in coverage, not only manned up, but in that zone. 
uh, like the the top linebacker I have on my list, just very active and flailing those arms. You would think that that would be a, a real deterrent for a quarterback trying to find someone trying to fit it, the ball into a tight window. So definitely something to work with. I, uh, I don't, uh, I can't agree much with you, Ken, because these linebackers are all so close. And I think we're about to hit a bump up in the, uh, in the uh, talent level here coming up. Probably. Soon. So you, you, who did you have at number six? You had uh, Tyndall. I had Tyndall at six. So I'm, I'm and into my Mooma. top. Right. And I'm into my top five now here. How about Coach yourself? Stewart. Right. So you, your, your number five is next. Yes. I have Leo Chanel uh, and his, his name looks like Chanel, but it, I, I heard it pronounced Chanel over and over again. And this guy's really exciting. Ken, you want to kick us off with this one? No, you, you, you do it. I've got tons of notes on him too, but, uh, uh but I love him. Okay, yeah, yeah. six two two sixty one. So two sixty one. You're thinking, oh, this guy's big, heavy, but he looks like a bodybuilder. He's he's muscular with booming hip power. He's going to bring the stadium to his feet a couple of times a game at least with just a wow hit. Uh, outstanding timing when he's blitzing up the a gap. There's stacks sacks are on his stat sheet. Legit straight line speed, and I said that before he ran the four th- five three forty. So mm-hmm. a lot of the notes that I read to you at the beginning, Ken, is before I see the numbers because I want to compare that to to what I had. So I noticed that leg- legitimate straight line speed, just a hard tra- hard charging, imposing figure. Uh, he will get flat footed on the weak side. That's the that's the one thing when he's when the ball's not coming towards him when he's ch- in chase mode, a running back can cut back, cross his face, and kind of leave him in the dust. So I do question whether he will be able to cover. But when you're looking for a two-down thumper, it doesn't get any better than him in this draft. Just a tremendously physical player, plays hard, and uh, he's a real like uh, energy giver on the field too. They they feed yeah. off of that. His teammates fed off of that. Yeah, he's he's you know we talked earlier about uh, Muma and the way he's kind of a twister as a tackler. Chanel is just the opposite. He drives right through the body, and there's so much he does good as a tackler that I think the absolute floor of what this guy will be in the NFL is a very good two-down thumper. And by the way, the Ravens could would love to have that. A very good two-down thumper at the mic spot. They can just forget about for the next four years, bring in a safety if you want to on third down. You don't have any linebackers on the field, or you have one that's the will guy moving over to Mike for that down. Any way you look at it, that'd be great find for the Ravens. Uh, really wraps up, drives through tackles. Doesn't matter if the back or quarterback makes a move on him. And his arms aren't exceptionally long. It's like one of the one of the worst traits he's got or one of the worst uh, you know physical qualities he's got. Um, he did a good job tackling at length too. So uh, you know he, he, when he when he got juked just a little bit and 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 couldn't go directly through the belt buckle, couldn't stand a guy directly up. Uh, he was still very effective at getting people to the ground by their legs. Uh, you know, using extended arms, which I like in a in a linebacker. When you have that, that's usually a good sign. Um, really good containment player now you don't always see this at the college level you have a lot of people trying to make individual plays it's almost like they they forget at times that they're playing a team sport honestly but but chanel did a wonderful job maintaining the proper leverage and this is a wisconsin thing as much as it's probably wisconsin coaching as much as it's chanel himself but about uh, keeping players contained and then we've made the tackle he made the tackle somebody else made the tackle that's fine uh, more more often than the other players, it was him making the tackle, but uh, uh, did a very good job, I thought, with that. Uh, that. That was true both as a run defender and as a pass um, rusher. 
So I thought he did a good job in both cases. Seems to play well, very well off the positioning of others, both on his own team and the opponents. So uh, really did a good job. And this is the, the, the containment really speaks to how well he's playing with his teammates to, to, to make attacks. That's great. But the other part is if you had a double team going in front of him, I didn't see anybody any better at jumping into the hole created by that double team. So let's think about it for a second. You got a guard and center, say the center leans left into the uh, double team on the one tech nose. Well, uh, Chanel was a guy who would jump up into that right A gap and take away that advantage that had been created. So they're trying to push that guy out of that space. Well, Chanel's immediately in that gap uh, trying to make hay there. So I really like that about him, too. Knew what the opponents were doing. Didn't always have to be about exactly where the football was, but he knew what his opponents were doing in order to get to the right spot. Uh, there are times when he's, when he's clearly just too quick for offensive linemen. I, I, I don't want them to be the major way. He's able to get past blockers. Uh, he did have some ability to shed blocks. It's always something that can get better at the NFL level. Um, and what else do I have to say about him? Uh, he can be a little bit slow to diagnose pass plays to the outside. This is something that's just not natural necessarily for him to give up on that gap integrity in front of him and immediately go to the outside, I think. And when he does that, uh, he, he uh, can be a little bit slow. Uh, it does not currently provide as much in coverage. Uh, as other players does, does it not give up on the play? So that's good, but he can be a little bit slow getting to it. And, and you know, in, in the NFL, he's going to have a lot of running backs where he's going to be the guy responsible for that coverage. And you'd want to make sure that he understood that coverage responsibility very clearly and followed the running back out of the, uh, you know, to either side as, as necessary. Um, what else do I want to say about this? That hasn't has has not really reacted well to the football in coverage at Wisconsin. He's certainly not Chad Muma in that way, uh, in terms of what we see. And you say you've seen some up and down from Muma, so maybe he is more like Chad Muma. But he's he hasn't created a lot of pass defense in uh, in his uh, career. Uh, a guy I would love to get in the fourth round, but honestly, with Chanel, I, I'm I'm willing to go higher than that. I think uh, if they could get him at 76, he's my favorite of the guys they could get at 76, I think. Uh, my, my three in order would be Chanel, Christian Harris, who's going to be my guy number five guy I'll talk about in a minute, and then Chad Muma would be the third best. I love it. And I, I want to go back to his IQ and his feel for the game because other than, I mean, what catches your eye is just how physical he is and how inspiring he is and, and, and all that. But, yes, he does understand leverage. He does see the play. I think his eyes overall are very good. So you're getting a player with good instincts, great instincts in the run game. And uh, I think that he'll only get better with that as time goes on. But I don't see the speed of the game at the NFL affecting him one bit. I think he's a two-down backer. Uh, from day one, he would be on this team, maybe ahead of, maybe even ahead of Bynes by the end of the year. You, know, sure. you start with Bynes, of course, but by the end of the year, if they were subbing in Christian Welch for Bynes, I, I would think that Leo Chanel has got that uh, working in his favor. If they spend a third round pick on Leo Chanel, he better be the starter, starting two down thumper at the end of the year. I mean, he better be. It will be a failure if it did not uh, does not end up that way. And he's got the IQ to do it, Ken. So I I I feel that is football IQ. Yes. All right. So we go ahead to my number five guy. Anything else to say about him? No, I, that that was a great discussion. Thanks, Ken.
Okay. Christian Harris of Alabama is my, my next guy uh, at number five. So he's one behind Chanel on my list. Uh, 6'1", 226, 444, 40. Uh, much faster than he was projected to go. So NFL Draft Scout has some sort of a projection. I don't know how they calculate it. Uh, it's been suggested it might have been from the from the um, tracking devices that exist. I think Jason, you might have been the one that said that. But but anyway, it uh, I don't know how they get it. But they but but he had a much lower time than was expected. Uh, outstanding jumps. He only turned twenty one in January, so a younger player. You want a younger player, generally speaking. Uh, this might be a two contract guy, so I could see you know a lot of reasons why you might want him over some of the others at approximately the same spot. Great build for the position. I think he could play a little heavier. And honestly, he he logged in at 235 at his pro day and then did not run. So he's a guy that obviously dropped weight to improve his 40 time. And that jibes with the fact that it was much better than projected. So there may be a, a thing that he can't really easily maintain a higher weight and, and be quite as quick. But even so, I think that he'll find that spot on the efficient frontier where he's almost as good. And hey, it, he, he can't lose too much on 444, meaning I would not expect him to lose too much on 444 with a little bit of additional weight. Uh, some difficulty shedding blocks at Alabama, definitely something that could get worse in the NFL. And, you know, you figure with Alabama's front, you would not expect that to, to be as big an issue because he's not going to face as many guys who are coming off double teams, moving to level two, but he definitely had some, had some problems shedding blocks in the film. I saw uh, a little bit of a late reaction on pass plays, a uh, little bit of a blind spot between level two and three. And, you know, it's not uncommon and younger linebackers, obviously he's very young, uh, but, but guys coming into the NFL, it's often one of the reasons they have tough first seasons is they can't really um, decipher play action uh, as it's done at a higher level in the NFL and they develop a little blind spot between two and three because it's just complex. It's, it's hard to put together. Michael Crawford always used to scold me about that every time I, I, you know, beat on certain Ravens inside linebackers about not ever having gotten it. But uh, there comes a time when you have to expect it, but even took, it even took CJ Mosley, even took Ray Lewis a little bit of time to get that. By the way, I don't don't know if you know this. I've talked about it occasionally, but Ray Lewis was taken off the field on third down as a rookie. He's a two down player. And the guy who replaced him wasn't anybody really special. It was it was uh, Benny Thompson, the safety who was really special a special teams team guy. Ace. Which which by the way we could be right back to in two thousand twenty two in terms of you know a Tony Jefferson or a or a uh, another special teams safety replacing an inside linebacker on third down. Didn't he coach for us too for a year or two after he retired? Is that who I'm thinking I, of? That sounds right. Uh, he played. I want to say three years. The Ravens' first three years. I think he was still a player, and then in ninety nine might have been. He was out of the league, uh, but it was it was about then. He definitely wasn't on the 2000 team, which was sad because, you know, he did. And and he he's the Raven defensive back. He's the answer to a trivia question, so you want to go out and bet a drink at a bar on this sometime. He's the Raven defensive back who once had three sacks in a game. He was he was okay. game. He was a spy of Mark Brunel in the '96 game. Had three sacks for minus five yards in that game. I don't want to get hit by Benny Thompson. That's a that's that's not a guy you want to get sacked by. But uh, but but yes, as far as Harris, you know, Ken. The only the only thing I'll say that uh, that I'm a little more pessimistic on him than you would be that he started as a true freshman, so he's played a lot of football despite his mm-hmm. age. And to me, you know, with the eyes and the instinct, especially in the passing game, I feel like he should be further along. 
even for a young player. So uh, it's not one of those where I say, oh, well, he's young. He should he should improve. I, I look at it more like he's played a lot of football and I'm worried that he can improve in that. So, uh, but yes, yeah, very good athlete in, in all ways. I think laterally, the, any kind of thing you ask him to do athletically, he's going to be near the top of this class uh, among all the linebackers. Love his pedigree. You got to love the fact that he comes from Alabama. You know, that doesn't uh, – go over the Ravens head, uh, you know, that they like to be coached. They like players from that school or well coached. So uh, very good player. I have Harris at number four on my uh, linebacker list and number 57 overall. So yes, Ken, this is, this is one of the guys I would, excuse me, I would like to pick in the third round if he was uh, sitting there. You take him at 76. That's a great value pick from, from 57 on your board. Um, missed tackle rate in 2021 was 15.7%. And that speaks to your point about not really growing um, year over year. That's, a, that's, a, that's something that should have been cleaned up by now, given the amount of football he's played. Um, and, you know, I, I do expect if he comes to the NFL based on that, based on some other things you see about uh, recognition between level two and level three, the running back screen swing pass, uh, kind of slowness and diagnosis that we've seen occasionally from him. He's going to have a difficult first season. Uh, I don't see the Ravens reaching up to 45 to get him, but I'd be okay if they took him at 76. And uh, as we said, I Chanel is my number one guy at 76. Harris, my number two guy. Muma, my number three guy of the guys I would take that high of a pick on. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you, and I, I threw Tyndall in there too. All right, so uh, that's it for Harris. So who's your number four guy? Harris was my number four. I'm wondering if we mixed up the numbers here by any chance. Nope, doing good because Chanel's my number four. Okay, so, so we're we're, so even. we're caught up. We're back yep. there. And uh, so number three, I'm guessing we have the same guys certainly for the top three, but who's your number three guy? Okay, so two and three, uh, like I mentioned with Muma and, and Tyndall, uh, right next to each other on my overall board. So my number three guy is at 33 on my list. Very high ranking for an inside linebacker. And my number two guy is one spot ahead of him at number 32. So sorry for the setup there. But, yes, I have these guys as an either or. It just depends on, I think, Mike McDonald and what the Ravens are looking for. But I'm going to put Quay Walker at number three. Uh, He is my positional favorite. He's the guy that I'm very high on. I don't think many other people have him at number 33 on their board. Of course, that's not counting quarterbacks, but I think he's a guy that can sneak into the first round. And he's someone that really stood out to me when I was watching the Georgia defense. And I kept wanting to give credit to Jordan Davis and Wyatt and the big guys up front, number 88, uh, just a tremendous defensive front. But basically Walker looks like the most pro ready linebacker prospect I've seen maybe in a few years when you're talking about eyes, patience, discipline, uh, nice job seeing through blocks. Ken, he doesn't even look like he's looking at the guy who's uh, trying to block him. He just kind of straight arms him and is looking at the ball. Uh, I thought that his play speed was good enough. That was the first thing that I wrote down, good enough play speed. He blitzes with purpose. He's more of a pounder as a blitzer. He's not real, real slippery, but uh, he can lay the wood on you. Form tackles. And then one other note I wanted to throw out there, Ken, 21 interviews at the Combine. That's something that I probably heard. That's impressive. It's probably something that I heard at draft coverage, uh, you know, during the combine coverage, I mean. But uh, obviously a player that's got the attention of, of people around the league. I agree with a lot of things you said. Uh, you know, he's 
to me, it's, it's not like this is really true, but it's what he kind of looks like. Is He's a very much an arms and legs guy at, at 6'3 and a half, 241. Uh, you know, the speed is excellent. That three cone at 689. Uh, there are people who have him on an outside linebacker list. To me, he'd be much more valuable if he could move to the inside because uh, he's a little short-armed, I think, to play outside linebacker and also kind of maybe a little small uh, to play outside. So he's, he's really a better guy if you could – um, uh, in a three-four, anyway, use him at a either a Mike or Will spot. He makes much more sense to me at, at the Mike spot, given his size. Uh, is a guy with versatility. It does not mean you couldn't either use him at outside linebacker in your three-four, or you couldn't just line up along the line of scrimmage and gain some of the benefits of a guy who can do some savvy things as a pass rusher. Or, or you mentioned not not particularly slippery, but certainly he has. Uh, that three cone to be slippery uh, at the NFL level. So we see if he figures that part of it out. Uh, I, I do not love the guy as much as you do. Okay. Um, and and I, I think I had much more of a differentiation between Nicobe Dean and him, although I had the same order, two and three on those two guys. And I have almost the exact same number on Dean, uh, who I have really at number 30, which puts him really out of range in a dead zone for the Ravens unless they trade down. They, can't, they won't take him at 14. There's no way. and Or at least I hope there's no way. No. Let's put it that right, way. Yes. And, and, and they, they, won't, they won't get him at 45 because he won't be left there, even though I ever, you, know, you hear things about Dean uh, potentially slipping a little bit. Uh, Quay Walker uh, is a guy I really don't – I think he's a mild reach at 45. I think there's probably a 60% chance he's there at 45, and I think he still would be kind of a reach. Maybe 55. Let me put it at 55 that he makes it to 45. Uh, uh, there's a positional premium there. Uh, you know, somebody might say, yeah, we can definitely make him a, a, a Mike. Uh, or somebody might say, I just love his versatility too much to give up. That's less likely to happen on a guy you expend that much draft capital on. Your versatility guys, you want them in, in late in round three, round four. You want them to be lower investments to, and, and have that versatility pay off for you. But when you're number two guy, you really want a starter from day one if you can. Um, and certainly a guy who's going to develop very quickly into a starter at the NFL level. Uh, I think, you know, Walker is just not the most obvious guy to fit into that Mike role. So it's, it, it wasn't the most obvious guy for me to put as high as 45. Uh, I'd, I'd love for the Ravens to get him by trading down. If they could trade down, get him at 55 or 60, I'm all over it. I'm, I, I'd be really excited about it. Um, and honestly, probably 55 would be my sweet spot on where to get Walker. Uh, I just don't want him at 45. 45 is probably going to be, and I'm going to have other players on the board ahead of him. I mean, mm-hmm. if I have him at 33 overall, chances are number 31, 30. And then you get into the positional value and the needs of the Ravens. So there'll be edge rushers there, cornerbacks uh, there that we would want to consider taking before Quay Walker. But, uh, but yes, I, you know, I kind of strongly split on you as far as the pure Mike linebacker. I see all the skills and the eyes is if you go back and watch him, Ken, that would be the the thing I would say, Ken, watch his eyes, man. His eyes are always at the ball carrier and the way he's able to use his arms, really his left arm. You, if it's, if the, if the play is going to his right, he uses his inside arm, which would be his left arm and keeps his outside shoulder clean. And it's just like, he can just do it. What what you would consider a club move if you were on the offensive line, but just kind of shuck the guy out of the way close and get the job done form tackles i think that there's nothing that he doesn't do at a professional 
level. He does everything at a professional level would be a, a cleaner way to say it. Um, love Quay Walker. Again, my positional favorite. So I'm, I'm supposed to like him better than you. because I, I like him better than just about <laughs> just about everybody else that ranks makes the rankings. So that's one of my guys. All right. So I also had him at number three. So let's go to your number two guy, which I believe we have the same again. Same guy, uh, Nicobe Dean, I'm guessing. Six foot, 225. I didn't have a 40 time for him unless he ran on his pro day recently, but I'm not really concerned about his 40 time or his three cone time or any of those times because my eyes tell me that he is super fast, the fastest linebacker. Patrick Queen type clone. Uh, and I see some of the same uh, areas of improvement uh, <laughs> present for Dean that Queen has where he just overruns tackles and he'll miss tackles. He'll also lacks power, so he'll bounce off a couple of tackles. Basically, he is a will linebacker all day. I think there's a chance that he goes in in the first round because someone will fall in love with the speed, the athleticism, the way the game is changing. Uh, I think he does have a good feel in zone defense, and that's why I have him one spot ahead of Quay Walker, just because I think that he could be a third down backer if, in fact, that's the way you want to go. Who can who has the speed of a safety? You know, I, I don't think you're losing. You know, if you put in Tony, Je- ask me who's faster, him or Tony Jefferson? Probably Nicobe Dean, I would say. Definitely Nicobe Dean. Uh, you know, even at this point, behind, yeah, I would say, even though if he's behind yeah. on the experience. So, if you want yourself somebody to come in and play third down, maybe a will linebacker of the future. That's Nicobe Dean. Uh, and you know, again, if you want a Mike that might turn into one of those unicorns, that would be Quay Walker for me. But Dean. He plays tough, Ken, for his size. You know, 225 is obviously undersized. He's not afraid. Uh, it's just that his size gets in the way of uh, of being a true Mike linebacker, in my opinion, even though he did, you know, play some of that last year at Georgia at the point of attack. All right. T- tomorrow, actually today, as it is 12, 12 a.m. as we record this on 4, 13, 22. Today, Nakobe Dean will have a pro day, and he has not yet tested uh, this year. So today is a very, very big day that we'll find some things out. And I'll be looking at, at, uh, at how he tests and that let's still impact his draft stock tremendously. If he tests, uh, as well as he could, or if he f- answers all the questions with his testing, uh, he'll be back in the first round. If he doesn't, I think he's in the second round. So we'll see how that, uh, how that works out for him today. Um, leader of one of the truly great defenses uh, at Georgia. Yeah, you know, that's a good thing. In terms of hey, you know he's he's a guy that you know was a leader among his teammates. Uh, uh, it was calling signals and whatnot. But but the but the uh, the downside of that is that he probably also benefited particularly inside linebacker from the ability to roam. You didn't really see, you know, saw good numbers from all of all of the guys. Did not see um, whom I think of Tyndall. Uh, make many many plays uh, specifically on the football. I, I, okay, I got to go back to this here for a second. Yes, yeah, Tyndall, uh, who was the guy who we didn't think was on the field as much, but still had five and a half sacks, um, but but didn't make any plays on the football. So right, that you know, things are are occurring for those Georgia inside linebackers that are the result of the play, players around them. And I think you just kind of sometimes got to kind of realize that and say that, yeah, they're getting some benefits from the, from their, uh, from their teammates. Uh, I, I do love Dean for other reasons. I think that um, his screen diagnosis is something, if you look at that Michigan game in particular, is one of the ones I looked at that really shows up on tape. Uh, he's like lightning getting over to that. Um, he, 
was productive in most respects across the board. 72 tackles, six sacks among 10 tackles for loss, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, five pass defense. That's a lot of plays on the football. And really love to see that. Love the second man to the ball skills he brings in. Love the turnover creation uh, he brings. He was targeted a fair amount. Targeted 36 times, according to PFF. Two Two interceptions among five PDs and zero interceptions allowed. You don't see that out of too many inside linebackers. And if even if those stats do not exactly reflect his coverage skills, I'm still happy with it. I'm still willing to you know toss a shot in there. So if if, uh, if he shows up pretty well at his pro day, I still wouldn't want the Ravens. I don't think to draft him at 14. Although you know, let's see what kind of news comes out of that. Um, but I, he might be the kind of player that that I wouldn't mind if they traded down for. And a team has a lot of needs. They need a corner. They need an edge rusher. They can they can afford to be platooning at inside linebacker. But Nicobe Dean, you know, could be one of those guys you trade down later in the first round and end up getting. Definitely, definitely. There might be, you know, the number one guy might still be on our list, might still be there too. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we trade it back. But I think that Nicobe Dean's instincts are very good. He, You know, you, you mentioned the screen passes. But there are also other, you know, running plays and, and that kind of thing is blitzing. He just kind of has a knack to be around the ball. I think he will fill up the stat sheet. So there are a lot of things to like. But the, the overaggressiveness, that's the one thing that I kept showing up uh, where he would just overrun a play on the sideline. He just needs to slow down, calm down a little bit. But, um, yeah, undersized, fighter, but the size works against him. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, some of the, what we're seeing in terms of some overrun tackles, learning leverage is something on tackles that they'll spend more time on when it's a really critical problem. And it'll become a critical problem at the next level unless he, unless he gets smarter about, OK, I'm, I'm targeting up the outside hip because my teammates working on the inside hip. So if he does elude me to the inside, I still got help there and I have to trust that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing that Chanel has really already seems to have in in his own brain figured out but you know McCoby Dean may be a step behind but I have no doubt that he's going to get there okay good I, I I'm more much more confident in Quay Walker and our number one guy in Chanel in that area than than with Dean so maybe that's a, the one quality that we kind of split on a little bit but I mean there's a lot to like I mean you, you have to be nitpicky this time of year Ken so a lot of times we say stuff and you know, the coverage aspect of the linebackers is really the most uh, the most the, the what you have to project the most. And, and Dean looks like he's he's going to be able to cover, it, especially in man. I mean, in man coverage, there's no running back that's going to run away from him. I wanted to ask you, I'm going to guess I have a number in my head. What do you think is we'll just keep it simple His 40 time will be tomorrow pro day or today um, in the four fives? Um, it, I, I would guess if I had to guess like what, what range would it be? I'd say between 450 and 459 would be where I guess, I guess it's still unlikely that he would run in the four fours. Okay. I was going to say four, four, eight. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's something to keep eye on. I love doing that for the combine just to see if the, that's my idea. We, we, can, we can bet a beer on that one. I say, I right. say four, 450 to 459. You take 440 to 449. Anything else is a push. All right. Four fours. Uh, I'm on the okay. four fours. All righty. Case number one, Ken, on both of our boards, I have Devin Lloyd. He's my 18th ranked prospect overall, so not a guy I would be looking at at 14. He would be a trade if we ended up trading back in the first round. He would be a guy I would target, even amongst the uh, other needs that we have. 
because I believe that he is a three down linebacker and he's especially intimidating in pass coverage. Uh, he can also blitz. You can put him on the edge. There are just a lot of pluses uh, for Devin Lloyd. So I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about him. Well, to, just to start off with what you made the comment, you, you wouldn't target him at 18. Sorry, you would target him at 14, 18, but not at 14. That's really important. And I hope people understand this, that we're not just being pricks here about, about saying, well, why wouldn't we just move up four picks? To get? It's because it's a ton of draft capital involved. That's 200 points of draft capital. That's literally four fourth-round picks. That's right. Four extra fourth-round picks you could have <laughs> if you're willing to trade down from 14 to 18. So you can't be cavalier about it. You have to try and, with that number one pick, you really hope it comes at the nexus of need and value. Sometimes it can't, and the best op- option you have is to trade down. So if, if you have a guy who's only you know 80% of the value of the pick, it very well, and, and he's your need guy, and he, maybe he's even the guy you like, you're still better off trading down a lot of the time because it's just it, there's a lot of value you pick up from doing so. And it's the, the people who box themselves into this position. I think we talked about Cleveland Farrell being drafted by Mayock, uh, you know, a couple shows ago. Uh, you know, if when you box yourself into, I have to have this guy at this spot, or or I have to try and trade down specifically so I can get only this guy. That's when you're in the worst position. The Ravens aren't in that this year. They have a lot of positional needs, so they can try and bullseye it better that way by saying, well, it could be a corner or an edge rusher or a left tackle. That I could or could even be a defensive lineman that I take at fourteen uh, to get the right guy who who uh, meshes with needed value. But the Ravens have a better chance, I think, this year to get the guy who's right at the nexus. Now, you go ahead and, and talk first about what you saw as a player from him. Sure, very shifty. His lateral movement, uh, I thought, stood out. Uh, very slippery for his size. Very good blitzer. He played the edge. I believe it was against USC. Most of the game, he finishes with burst through the tackle. Quick hand swipe and shedding. He uses mm-hmm. his length and his hands very well to get off a block. Ball skills, he was a high school wide receiver. I think that he turns might turn some people off. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, he's just kind of average. He looks like kind of just a guy because <laughs> he's, he's not a Leo Chanel when it comes to just blowing somebody up. That's not his style. He's more methodical, but his his speed is good enough. It's not like uh, he ran a four six six is the number I have, but I, I think he plays faster than that. You will see him uh, chase people down on the sideline. Coverage, especially in man, good instincts. He's just a well-rounded player. I think he reminds me a lot of Quay Walker, just a, a better version. Love him in coverage, though. I love his length and his size and his activity yeah. there. And, I mean, just going back to back up your point, Ken, I have him at 18, despite the fact that we've used a first-round pick recently on an inside linebacker, despite the fact that I don't want to use a first-round pick in general on an inside linebacker, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that we need edge rushers, that we need corners. So having him at 18 on my board, is a, is a huge compliment uh, for what he has to overcome as far as just the situational. I mean, sure, the Ravens need a linebacker, but we need a lot lot of other things. And, of course, just, you know, I kind of mentioned Michael Crawford, actually. We spoke about him earlier, loves Devin Lloyd. We spoke about him at length on my program. And, um, you know, I, I had to be honest with him. He kept pumping me up with all this positive things that he did. And I said, Michael, I got to be honest with you. I just kind of don't want to spend another first-round pick on a linebacker. I feel like maybe it's an emotional 
emotional baggage, you know, for me, the scarred a little bit, but uh, I love him as a player. Ken, I don't, I don't have any knocks on him. I think he's a, a clean, very clean prospect. All right. So I, I don't have any problem saying, cause I, I was saying the same thing when they drafted queen at 28 was, it's it's not a matter of disliking this player. I liked Queen. I would love for him to have been drafted in the second round somewhere between 45 and 60, but that would have been like half the draft capital or a little bit more. Uh, it would have been a wonderful you know, relative value for him. There's a positional premium at inside linebacker I can't stand paying in the first round, generally speaking. So I, I, I don't want inside linebackers to be drafted there because I think you get better better value from platooning. I think you, 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 it's easier, it's cheaper, you, you don't have to spend the money down the line, you can continuously, until the rest of the NFL figures it out, you can continuously do this year after year and find guys who can play these spots and substitute in. Maybe some offensive coordinator is going to figure out how to play no huddle against you and beat you, but cross that bridge when you come to it. It's, it's, it's been a strategy that's worked very well for the Ravens uh, when they've employed it over their entire history. So, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, something I'd be excited to do it. But that said, getting back to Lloyd, the, the one thing that bothered me about his combine numbers, he tests very well, good, good length at arm. 25 bench reps was really good in terms of having, you know, arms that are a little bit above average. Uh, but the, he also dropped about 10 pounds for the combine and then still only ran 466. So we had the other guy who, who dropped nine pounds, dropped, ran 444. Well, that was good weight lost. Uh, this, this guy, uh, in terms of Devin Lloyd, um, speed may really be an issue for him at the NFL level. So we'll see. Uh, but he did so many things well in college. His production is so balanced. And he was number two in the entire Pac-12 in interceptions with four. He had six passes defensed. He had a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He, he returned two for touchdowns. He had seven sacks among 22, 22 tackles for loss. He's already, and they haven't been keeping stats forever on this, but he's already like number 14 in Pac-12 history uh, in terms of tackles for loss. So uh, he's just been outrageously productive and well-rounded linebacker. And I, I can't look at the speed and, and, you know, that test and just say, that's the be all end all. I think it's a question. And you froze up there for a second. Oh, okay. You're back. You're back. Okay. My connection is unstable. I just got, I just got a box from it too. Yeah, so I'm not if you sure. can just repeat the last sentence or so you you were good. Oh, okay. So anyway, his production has been so balanced in terms of what he's brought to the defense and, and the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year this last year. So it's been pass, run, everything, uh, tackle productivity, uh, tackles for loss, very exciting. His missed tackle rate was, was a tad high, but it wasn't out of, the, out of the ballpark. And again, it may be something where leverage, working with teammates is something he's able to better do at the NFL level. Trust your teammate. Know if you go for the outside leg, that guy's going to be there to pick it up on the inside, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, he's a terrific player. He could be the Ravens' next great inside linebacker, uh, but I think they would realistically have to take him at number 14 if they did. And I think it's just a little bit too high, kind of like you do. If they could trade down to 20 and somehow pick him up, uh, I wouldn't be upset at all, even though I think they have so many other needs. I'd really love them to pick up an edge, corner defensive tackle, you know, all the, all these other choices they have. But, uh, but he's, he's, you know, certainly if you're going to pick up an inside linebacker, picking up him is good. Um, I think I, I'll say it one other way. If they had the opportunity to get Devin Lloyd at 20 or Chad Muma at 76, or maybe Chad Muma at a hundred, because that's like, that's like kind of a, a value pick for Muma. I think I'd still take Muma at a hundred and me try too. and address the other positional needs. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's just, it's just, you know, we're going to be able to get an edge or a corner in there 
or a defensive lineman. And uh, that would take priority. I would take Muma and the first round lineman before I would take Devin Lloyd and the fourth round uh, lineman. Mm-hmm. If you want to compare it like that, where you want to get your value. So, yes, um, but I, I love him and all the production you were talking about that you read off. Ken, that's what I'm saying. I think he's faster than a, than a 4.66. He plays faster than 4.66. Yeah, I, I would agree. Well, let's go to your honorable mention, guys. I've got three to name. I know you've got a time constraint here, but who, who do you have on your list for honorable mentions? Just didn't well, quite make your top Well, Well, there's, there's one guy I want to mention just to give a kind of a shout-out to that I don't have on my board, and that's Damone Clark, who had spinal fusion surgery. Mm-hmm. Sounds very serious. I, he would have been, for me, probably Ken in that, that group of linebackers that we had mishmash and switched up in the middle. I thought he was good. He, he, I thought that he would be a uh, a two down thumper with with some uh, three down potential, but not in something that you could count on. But the only guy that we haven't talked about that I have is uh, my number eleven guy, and that is uh, Mr. Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State. Love him, love him, man. Just yeah. a scrappy, undersized player. Yeah. But I mean, that that's really one of the only knocks on him is his physical. Uh, attributes and of course he ran a four five two so he's 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 got quicks for an inside linebacker but five eleven two twenty five very short arms uh, but a, a pure football player and a guy I think that can make this team on teams fast physical smart um, you know he just he looks more like a safety that's uh barely missed my top ten he's number eleven on my list. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's on my list. of. I didn't really try and order my guys who were honorable mention, but he definitely is there. Uh, absolutely loved him. Another balanced contribution guy, but he's got it plays in the passing game. I love to see that. An interception, four passes defense, 16 tackles for loss, three of those sacks, 129 tackles. Uh, he reads misdirection well. That's one thing. You go back to the Miami game and watch that for Oklahoma State. He looked great on in terms of really trying to understand what Miami was trying to do in terms of fooling Oklahoma State with where they were going with the football. And I, I, I thought he did a, a fine job there. Great nose for the football, great second man, all kinds of turnover ability. Loved it. Yeah, when you're talking about pure linebacker ability, it's he's right up there with uh, – with Devin Lloyd and um, and Quay Walker to me, as far as just it's looking like he's played the position for ten years, yeah. he he is in that category. There's there's not a lot wrong with him. He's just gonna uh, he might be a four A player, you know what I mean? It might just be a right. little bit too big too too big of a game for him. But I I would take my chances on him, and he would be a priority UDFA or maybe a sixth okay. round guy. You know, yeah, I, I would be willing to double up on line. If, say we took a Muma or somebody in the in the fourth round, like we would like. If Malcolm Rodriguez, he could. There's a chance he could be the top player on your board in the sixth round. Like I, you know, I believe in him that much. If you wanted to double up on that position, it's it's also very possible the Ravens could trade down from say four to get a five this year and maybe a five next year, a five, a six this year and a four next year. You got a chance to take him a six. If you get him in the fifth round, I'd be plenty excited about him. Uh, it, it's not impossible. He'd be there as a UDFA. He's, he was one guy I really liked. I'll go on to another guy I really liked was DeMarco Jackson of Appalachian state. Uh, you know, he's a guy, uh, just had a lot of things I liked. He certainly has the tools there. Good size at 6'1", 255. Uh, productive player, again, in all phases. One interception, five passes defense. And it's the Sun Belt. It's not the, you know, the European beer league here. It's it's a decent conference. Uh, so it's a, it's a, you know, could be a good ram, uh, gamble in round six. Uh, could be, again, a guy you trade down to. But six, five, six, UDFA, I'm fine with any of that if, if you're going to take a guy like DeMarco Jackson. 
there you go. He he was actually next on my list, and that would be thirteen linebackers for me. And I don't think I'm going to list anymore. I think that's that cool. that's that's enough. You know what I mean? As far as on the Ravens' big board, I mean, you put thirteen up there. I like those thirteen guys more than the rest. Uh, Brandon Brandon Smith, of course, was number twelve. So you put those thirteen on there. I think that that's a healthy group of linebackers for one draft. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, to talk through these lists with you, uh, Jason, just a, a terrific, we always go way too long on these shows, but that's cool. It's, it's, it's okay, it's buddy. I, I love it. I love it. And I, I love your take on Muma. You're going to have me watching him again. And then uh, who else was it? I'm going to try to find uh, any Chanel, kind of, any uh, kind of Troy Anderson uh, yeah. stuff I can get my hands on. If you find them, send them to me because okay, I'm well, just sure. winging a prayer and on that athleticism. I mean, he's, I mean, he looks like Isaiah Simmons from a few years ago. Here's what will be really fun, and we can do going into that fourth round because we're going to have day three coverage and you still have your big board up. But I want everybody who is a panelist to come up with the five or six guys they really want. Maybe five guys because the Ravens have five picks. Or maybe it's a list of ten guys because, hey, we're satisfied with any of these ten. But who are the guys you'd be really excited about the Ravens getting with one of those round four picks? And uh, I, I think that'll be a fun game to play. We should have a real exciting day three. Hope you folks out there will be joining us for the all three days of coverage. But we'll have a, a you know, uh, all with Jason's big board we'll be doing. Have a, a great group of panelists joining, including Sarah Ellison, uh, Gabe Ferguson, uh, Jordan Coe, Coach Evans. So you're going to have a lot, a lot of fun doing this. And we always want to get people involved who are on the call. It's a big watch party to, to ask questions or, or, you know, give their own comments as we, as we move through. Jason, let's talk about where else folks can find your work. Sure. And I appreciate you working with me tonight because I've been very busy on my channel as well. So I'm sorry to cut it short guys. I, but uh, yes, you can find me on huddle it up films doing a series uh, right now. I'm going to have Ken on the program uh, for uh, the NFL draft barbecue. Barbecue stands for big board questions where we're just going to pick out players on the board or for Ken, we're going to take a look at that top 10 coming up uh, very shortly. And we're going to try to hash out, Hey, who do we put first? Do we put Evan Neal or do we put Thibodeau or cross or, you know, Trayvon Walker. We're going to really try to hash out where the need and the talent should be separated in that top 10 when Ken comes on the show. And I have a lot of other guests, uh, guests of Ken's show guys, you would know from Twitter and ladies, you would know from Twitter and um, we're basically just having a good time talking about these prospects. It's I'm going to be busting my butt for another week. And then uh, the, the last seven days or so, Ken, I'm just going to look at that list and make any kind of last second adjustments and do my homework so I can spell off some some fun facts off the top of my head. So I can't wait, Ken. I thank you so much. All right. We're looking to Kobe Dean's Pro Day in a few hours, and you'll have some good answers on there to maybe four, move him four, around. 448. 448. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're out there and you're, and you're listening to this and you have your own ideas on the draft, particularly in terms of relativization of positions or any other draft strategies, franchise building, this is a time of year I'm prioritizing. Film study shorts on exactly that topic. Send me a DM. They're open in Twitter, and I'll get back to you very quickly. We'll get you recorded on the show and uh, and in the queue to, uh, to be to be uh, uh, posted. Uh, thanks so much for listening again. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.